Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name is Tom Rablick. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. The coronavirus pandemic has created a range of challenges for businesses around the place and none has been impacted more severely, at least in my view, in the arts sector. The minute the venue venues were unable to hold more than 500 and then and no more than 10, and then no more than two, a lot of people lost a lot of work. Now, the only way you can really understand this is by talking to someone who's been through it, because if you're working in an office environment or elsewhere, you're not doing the arts entertainment work, you're doing other work. So I'm privileged to be joined by uh, someone I've got a lot of respect for uh, as an artist and also as a teacher, Bob Spencer. Bob's played with the Skyhooks and the Angels and he's toured with Rose Tattoo for the past couple of years or so and also was featured in a band called Finch way back when and he did a tour with Finch I think earlier this year. Bob, thank you for joining me. Hey Tom, thank you for having me and for spending this time with me. And uh, Thank you so much. What what a, What's the past 18 months been like in terms of work? Well, for Rose Tattoo, um, the the majority of our, I guess, our income has come from Europe in the last three years, although we have played through Australia. The band band enjoys more success in Europe than it does in Australia. And um, I've been to Europe, I'm not sure, three or four times in the past three years. Uh, And done a few kind of month-long tours through Australia. Uh, There have been uh, quite a few periods of uh, hiatus because a band at our level can't afford to work constantly in Australia. It's uh, as with every other business, we are affected by demand and supply. And if a band can be seen too often in Australia, then the you know the supply is up, the demand goes down. Just like other businesses, Tom. So we've worked yeah. a fair amount, and I'm pretty sure it's been four trip four trips to Europe. And had the pandemic not happened, I would right now today be in the middle of a tour of America. Okay, now do those tours do those tours typically encompass festival performances uh, across yeah. say, continental continental Europe? How much how much of it is festival stuff? Um, it depends on the season, Tom. The festival season in Europe is uh, summer, which being our winter, and when we tour Europe. In, in their summer and do festivals, we will play festivals up to about 120,000 people. Um, now, I know that sounds impressive. We are not the headliner of those sorts of festivals. Um, we might be fourth or fifth on the list from the top. It just it really depends on the festival, the type of music that the festival is supporting. Um, and, you know, there are other factors, how many days the festivals go over. The, the, 
the biggest audience I've played to with Rose Tattoo uh, is about 100, 110, 120,000 people. At other times of the year, we will do a club run. And clubs in Europe mean that we're playing to a, uh, somewhere between five and 1,500, maybe 2,000 people. That's what a club um, entails in, in Europe. How does that compare to what you do in Australia, just to give people an idea? It's very different. In Australia, um, the band might pull three or 400 people, depending on the, the uh, geographic location of that gig. Um, and it also may depend on what support band we have playing with us. So uh, Europe is very different from Australia. It's very different on a number of levels, Tom. Um, the music business in Europe is treated very, very seriously to the extent where local governments invest in venues in Europe. So they will, they will partner with um, a private entity to get a venue off the ground, keep the venue going. It's 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 very it's it's very difficult to explain how different it is in Europe. But things to do with with music are treated very seriously. And when I went to Europe for the first time, it it made sense to me why they treat music and the music industry so seriously. They have a history of hundreds and hundreds of years uh, of being involved and appreciative of music and the arts. And we in Australia, we don't have that. We have a couple of hundred years of white settlement. We have no respect for our indigenous musicians. Um, and we don't have a Beethoven or a, a Wagner or a Bach, whereas they do. And I think that that, to a large degree, informs how they view their current musicians. Music is treated seriously in Europe. It's such a different thing. Bands are treated with respect. The road crew are treated with respect. Uh, the tour managers are treated with respect. If you're involved in a band in a professional capacity in Europe, you are treated as a professional in the same way that a doctor or a lawyer or a surgeon or an architect would be. That's, that's actually extraordinary uh, to, to think about because, um, uh, I mean, I guess the question is how do we change that culture here? Um, I can't see us changing it here, Tom. Um, I think the change might happen over time, but we as musicians have tried very, we have tried very hard and diligently to inform the Australian public and and I don't mean this in a condescending way, but we've tried to educate the Australian public um, in terms of the value of music. And I'm getting more and more despondent and depressed about this 
as we go on, I, uh, I'm trying to keep my spirits up and trying to remain optimistic, not for me, but for the people that are coming in behind us, the, the people who are now 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 years old, I'm more concerned about them than I am about myself. Um, but if you look at the the music industry in Australia over the last, I don't know, a few decades, even in terms of the number of benefits that we've um, engaged in and we've helped and we've supported and we've, do we've donated our time to, we've done all these things to to try and illuminate the value of music and also to help people who need help. And currently, as of today, the whatever it is of May, the 19th or 20th of May, I don't even know what the date is, the 20th, um, I'm feeling quite uh, pessimistic uh, in terms of our lack of achievements. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we've... You know, maybe Tom, if you speak with me tomorrow, I might have a different feeling about things. But I'm currently feeling that we haven't really succeeded in in exposing the benefits of music in Australia. There, we we are aware that music helps kids uh, in their academic careers. Where the data is in, it's all verified now that. Kids are exposed who are exposed to music have better lateral thinking skills, problem-solving skills, social skills, do better academically. The data is in where, you know, that is now inarguable, and yet we still choose to kind of ignore that. It, music is not um, something that every kid in Australia has to do, even though we know the benefits it's not in these things are not in place, and as we know from governments, we the music industry does not get supported. Opera gets supported, which is you know great for opera um, and those kind of legitimate music endeavours. But pop music, rock music, whatever, it, it is not supported. These things are not supported by governments. So it seems as though Australians still don't understand or do not want to see the value of music. And it's it's quite the antithesis of this in Europe, where they treat music and musicians very, very differently from how it is here. It saddens me. I can I get that very very strong sense. I mean, I grew up in a in a household where um, music was a part of a cultural thing. Yes. Um, yes. My my parents came from Europe. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother would sing traditional Croatian melodies and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. or we would go to what used to be, and you'll remember these because you're you're young enough to. Um, yeah, what used to be free entertainment in the parks here in Victoria, yep. where, yep. where where you'd have where, the orchestra, where you'd have opera singers, where you'd have folk groups, where you'd have almost anything. Um, mm. And once you grow up in that space, you're not afraid to go to the opera. You're not afraid to go to a rose tattoo gig. Yep. Um, you're not afraid to go to anything because it all, it's all a part of a continuum. 
So yeah. I'm probably I'm probably a little bit different to the usual <laughs> usual person out there who you who, who kind of may treat music as something that's a, a, a not wishing this to be unkind, Bob, but it may be something that that comes in and out of their life, uh, a kind of a disposable thing that they don't really they don't really prize as much as they should. Well, I, I, and okay, so that's an interesting thing. Should so you know the word should so, um, it's an interesting it's an interesting word. I, t I tend not to use the word should, but if we just look at the data. The data says that music helps people. The data says that. It's inarguable. Um, so, you know, I, I know there are people who say, oh, we should do this and we should do that, and, but the data doesn't support it. The data supports that music, in ki especially kids' lives, helps them in innumerable ways. It also shows that music in older people's lives helps support the growth of new neural pathways. So it's a benefit, 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 benefit. There are no downsides to music being in someone's life. The interesting thing is that, another interesting thing is that during this period of isolation, people are still listening to music. Yep. They're still benefiting from what we did, whether we did it last week, or last year, or last decade, people are still benefiting from what we did. And yet we, and I'm talking about musicians in general, um, receive bugger all remuneration for that. There's a perception, uh, particularly in Australia, that if your band or uh, someone's name has a certain notoriety attached to it, that there is financial remuneration simply because of the notoriety. And that is just absolute nonsense. Simply because someone is a household name in Australia or a band is a, is a so-called household name does not mean that that band or that artist is comfortably well off. It's just not true. We are, we are a country of now 25 million people and I don't know the figure for the average earnings of a musician in Australia, but it's it's well under the average earnings for everybody else. So people are still during this pandemic they're they're streaming off Spotify as do I, by the way. We're listening to Spotify, we're listening to iTunes, we're listening to things on YouTube, but the people who have created that music, are getting very, very, very little in return. Uh, I read yeah. something recently about Spotify. This may not be strictly true, but it's something like an artist needs to have 288 million streams from Spotify to earn the equivalent of a Spotify worker. 288 million streams. That's just insane to earn the same as an, an Spotify office worker. So that, I mean, now I'm onto a global, um, 
issue, a, a global issue, a global issue. But in in terms of Australia, it's 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 never been really easy. Um, there there are certainly some people, and and I'm happy to say some of my friends have made good careers out of music, but it's not the norm. Okay. When March hit and everything shut down, yes. What did what did Bob Spencer do? My first concern was getting out of Europe, um, because it hit during our first week in Europe in March, uh, the first uh, week of our um, European tour, which was supposed to be five weeks in Europe. So it hit while. We were in Europe those very first few days and things started shutting down while we were there. My concern was getting home. I was only concerned about getting home and being with my friends and my family. Um, and we were lucky, we were fortunate in that we just scraped through as borders were closing. My concern was not the gigs, um yes i love what i do but really that's that's of um that doesn't compare with just being home with my friends and my family um so that was my concern getting out of europe and as we got through borders they were shutting down so denmark closed sweden closed um germany closed and abu dhabi airport closed I think three days after we got out of there. Um, so I'm grateful that we made it out of Europe and we didn't have to basically billet ourselves out and stay with Rose Tattoo fans in Europe. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I would prefer to be back home in Australia. So I consider us very fortunate. There are a lot of people who are not as fortunate as us who were stranded uh, through Europe, through Asia, through America, you know, I guess Africa. And we were very fortunate compared with those people. You, I mean, you've had a long career, you've travelled extensively. Uh, things would have been interesting with you in the early days with Finch, with Skyhooks, with the Angels. Is this the worst situation you've ever seen as a working working artist? Uh it is for me being an old bloke, um, uh, and you know I have no problem with that. I'm an old bloke. I've kind of you know I've done a lot of a lot of stuff, and I and my career has been an interesting, checkered one. Um, <laughs> it is in a sense it is the worst that I that I've ever seen it. the The impact of the of the social distancing and the lockdowns has been. Um, a, a very serious one, not only for the musicians, but for the, all the people who um, are necessary to keep music alive. So we have bar staff, we have waiters, we have winemakers, breweries, um, we have all sorts of people, travel agents, we, you know, musicians. I know it looks like there are just five people on stage, but behind those five people are dozens of other people who have worked towards that one gig. So there are agents, there are 
who have staff. There are managers who have staff. There are PR companies who have staff, poster companies, um, social media uh, workers, uh, as I said, bar staff, uh, the, the families at the bar staff are trying to support the uh, food suppliers, the families that the food suppliers are trying to support, the uh, it's that butterfly effect. It looks like there are just five people on stage who are mildly inconvenienced. They'll just go home to their mansions and sit around being millionaires. Yeah, right. Um, but there are dozens and dozens of other people behind what, what you might call behind the scenes. We certainly... As musicians, we do not take what these people do for granted. We don't take them for granted, but it looks like they're behind the scenes. But without those people, we don't get to play. And there are dozens and dozens of them behind every gig, and we've all been affected. What I'm hoping for at the other side of this is that particularly young bands can find other ways to skin the cat. So I'm hopeful that younger people, who I have great faith in, um, can consider other points of views and consider other ways that they might keep their businesses alive, whether it's through social media. One fantastic thing I saw in Europe, um, as we were getting locked down and as gigs were shutting down bands in Europe immediately took to social media and started doing lounge concerts and it might be a lounge gig with just a shitty old acoustic guitar and a drummer playing a Tupperware container but they did stuff and that that made me quite optimistic for the future for younger people they got right onto it in Europe um, I don't know. I don't know how much of that happened here in Australia. I didn't start seeing that for another couple of weeks, but in Europe, bands were onto that immediately. Like I mean, to, I'm talking the next day. The support band that we have, we had in Europe, a, uh, a girl band by the name of Thunder Mother, who I love. <laughs> they, uh, that, uh, Thunder Mother, one word a Swedish band, great girls, great band. They did a lounge gig the night after lockdowns started to come into effect while they were still on the road with us. They were onto it immediately. <laughs> and I, I think that bodes well for uh, younger bands, that sort of thinking. We didn't do that. Rose Tattoo didn't do that. You know, we're all old farts. We can barely get around in our Zimmer frames. But the younger bands, they were onto that immediately, which I think is fantastic. Now, I was going to ask you about innovation. Um, and one of, the thing, one of the things I've noticed is Mimo Music Hall in St Kilda um, yes. has, has been live streaming performances that did one with it's done a whole series of them um i watched the first four uh-huh. and the, the audio is spectacular the video is actually more intimate i know it sounds weird bob but it's more intimate in some respects than actually being at the gig right. um and it 
And I'm just I'm just wondering what sort of future you see that sort of live streaming having. Um, in the I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, and I, I was hopeful after after witnessing Thunder Mothers live streaming from somebody's lounge room. I thought this is just a great way to do things, and then I started hearing about uh, other business ventures of live streaming, and I and I think it's I think it's really great. I think it's a really wonderful way for 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 people to enjoy music and for musicians and artists to get their music out there um, of course we can't all do that for free because we have families to feed and mortgages to pay uh, so i think pay per view live streaming uh, is one of the ways of the future and i applaud bands who are doing it i think it's a bloody great idea it's another way to skin the cat you know the the music industry the arts um it's forever changing well nothing stays the same anyway as you know but the yeah. musicians have to adapt so uh you know from the earliest days of uh of vinyl and uh an interesting note is that uh, the first recording contracts, the record companies wanted the artists to pay for their vinyl because the record companies considered they were doing musicians a favour. So musicians didn't get paid, they had to pay to have vinyl released. Now that changed quite quickly, but we've seen the change from vinyl to cassettes to CDs um, streaming back to vinyl. The 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 industry is, is has always been in a state of flux, and I think that live streaming is is a, a, one of the lovely way for ways forward. I don't know what else there will be, um, and I'm not 25. You know, if, if I were 25, with a with uh, my bandmates being around the same age i guess we would all be sitting around going right now what can we do rose tattoo is not really that sort of band um but i'm i'm hopeful for for uh the the future of those of the younger players and also knowing as i do a number of kids who are uh in their teens they're very, very switched on, very switched on, very smart. They're not hopeless as a lot of bloody complaining, whinging boomers say they are. They're very bright kids. Uh, and I I have faith in them. I don't know what the industry will look like next year. Um, I'm hoping on in a broader sense that the pandemic has has effects on our entire culture um, and that we become more compassionate towards everybody but I'm always hopeful about that Tom oh yeah you have to be can you see the tats doing a live stream gig pay-per-view at some point I would like to see the tats do that um, there hasn't been any talk of it um, and you know I'm I don't well, it is really angry who owns the name of the Tats now, um, the original members having all passed away. Um, so 
the majority of this decision making uh, is in Angry's hands. We do talk about these things, and Angry is a very old friend of mine. So we, you know, we we occasionally throw ideas around, but it really is up to Angry to make that decision. Uh, look, I yeah, I understand that. I've, I've followed the fortunes of the Tats over the years, and um... and misfortunes. Oh well, I I I, I wasn't actually going to mention that, but <laughs> yeah, it's been all over the place. It's been all over the place. But anyone who's followed the the Tats um, is is aware that the the band's fortunes have been you know like all over the place, really. Um, so as to the future of the Tats, I don't. Uh, I I just I, the honest answer is I don't know. Um, what I'm doing is a, a TAFE course, which I start next month, um, uh, because uh, ideally I'd like to be teaching at TAFE, so I'm doing a Cert for in training and assessment. Good. Which is something I should have done 20 years ago, by the way, but I just never got around to it. So I'm doing that uh, in July, not next month. I'm doing that course in July with the... Um, with the goal of teaching in TAFE next year. So whether that precludes me from touring or not, I don't yet know. I would like to tour. Uh, I especially like touring Europe, Tom. I love the architecture. I love being uh, around that history. I, I particularly like the German and uh, the people. They're, I find them delightful and um, funny and kind and generous. Um, so I'd like to go back to Europe um, for those reasons. Um, as far as I know, there are TATS gigs booked for Europe next year. The, the festival season will could be a big one. Uh, we are to play, or Rose Tattoo are to play Wacken, which is the most prestigious festival in Germany next year. Um, I'm hoping that I'm around for that, but the, the honest truth is that none of us, I don't think any of us can plan that far ahead anymore. Yeah, okay. Bob, um, you, you know, I'm mindful of the time and you've been uh, really generous this morning. Um, it's a, it, I've got to say, it, it is, it is um, delightful to be able to talk about this from a different point of view rather than just uh, not that i don't like talking about what guitar i used in 1976 i mean that's a lot of fun as well but i've got to say you know thanks to you for the opportunity um to talk about the industry from a slightly different point of view it's good and it helps you process things too tom yeah i think it's important because art Arts are a kind of a spiritually, you know, elevating thing, but yeah. it's a business. It's like any other. It's like any other business. It's like a cafe. Um, when yeah. things shut down, the guys who work in the cafe, who make the baristas, who make the coffee, yeah. they're out of work. Yeah. Um, and, so it, and the flow-on effect. So the people who make the coffee, and the people who grind the beans, and the people who grow the coffee, and you know. The flow-on effect is—it's uh, massive. It's massive, and um, one thing that does annoy me is that the um, is that 
the the effect on the arts does not get any media exposure. It gets zero. Um, I, I do listen to the radio in the car, even though I don't like it very much. And every news hour, there's talk about the effect. Um, you know, every hour there is news, which only lasts for three minutes anyway. But a good 30 seconds to a minute, it talks about the effect on footy every hour and there's no mention even though these radio stations uh, you know better music and more of it or whatever so the the radio stations play music all day yet when it comes to the news every hour there's never never any talk about the effect that the, this this pandemic has had on the music business instead the talk is always about the effect on sport and i find that incredibly frustrating and demeaning you know that if i if i happen to watch the news at home as far as i'm aware there has been no talk about the effect on the arts none uh, so there has been some coverage um yeah. around the place on uh, about the, the impact onto the opera and, and other things and venues shutting down, but and how many fifteen year old ki- how many fifteen year old kids are going to the opera, Tom? <laughs> um, a musical theatre? Um, mm. no, no, no. Well, the Katy Perry doesn't you know play the Sydney Opera House. No. You're right. Um, other other people don't necessarily play the Sydney Opera House. So yeah. yeah. You are right. I mean, there's some focus, but there has it's the NRL and the AFL and then sports codes that have had a lot of coverage. And that's great for supporters of that. You know, I don't. I I was about to say I don't begrudge them that, but I kind of do. I kind of do begrudge them that because people who are that seems to be that the people who are outrageous footy supporters don't see the vent the 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 benefits of music and we know there are benefits of music and the fact that our our federal government has paid zero attention to the arts i find insulting but i find it insulting for the everyday australian because music and the arts benefits the everyday australian it's not just me i'm not asking for scott morrison to call me personally <laughs> you know it's it's the music and the arts benefits everybody in Australia. And yet there's been nothing from our federal government about it. Unlike Merkel, who put how many millions into the arts immediately? 50 million? It's, yeah, there have been a very sensitive across Europe, I'm aware yeah, of that. Very sensitive across Europe, and yet nothing in Australia. Now, Bob, you 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 do have an album you put out not so long ago. A couple of years ago, couple of years ago I, I recorded an album at home, Tom. It's called Saints and Murderers. And uh, if people are interested, they can hear snippets on my website. The website is bobspencer.com.au. There are snippets of songs on the website. And if people are so moved, they can buy a physical copy, a CD, or they can download it, um, they can buy a download version from Bandcamp. The information is on my rather sparse website, bobspencer.com.au. Bob, 
Lyric.au. Lyrically, it's all over the shop. I cover things that I that are from a very light-hearted point of view to through to things that I consider to be quite serious. Um, musically, there's a lot of that. There, a banjo from Bob, um, and I think people who are familiar with my writing that I did with the Angels will uh, be able to to uh, join the dots. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I, I've actually got the CD here at home. I've got the CD here at home, so that's all good. Now, but Bob, thank you so much for your time. It's been an interesting sort of exploration of where you've been in recent years, but also some of your concerns about where the arts industry is going. Thank you so much for, for spending the time with me. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate this, buddy. Not a problem. Absolute pleasure.